Coming up on This Week in Games, competition and game streaming heats up, Sony is going full VR with its PlayStation Move, and game devs may be ditching the publisher in 2018. Coming up This Week in Games. Hi everyone, I'm Merritt McConnell and welcome to This Week in Games. Alright, start off this week, we have Facebook launching a quote-unquote gaming creator pilot program. This is exactly what we needed in the game industry. We need more competition for game streaming. So... They're not developing games, it's for live streaming. Everyone can stream at 1080p, 60 frames a second. And they hope they're bringing their content creators from Instagram and whatever that Oculus cyber goggles situation is over to game streaming. So overall, this platform on Facebook isn't gonna focus only on gamers, but I guess they see this is the Trojan horse to get this started, is to have gamers come in first, because after all, we are early adopters. Um, so now we have Amazon with Twitch. We have Google with YouTube Gaming. We have Facebook with Gaming Creator Pilot Program. So I expect in a few months, Apple's will have iTunes game streaming. I don't know. It seems everyone wants to be in this space, and I really wonder how lucrative it even is. But uh, I guess it's enough for these big companies to compete over it. Next, we have Sony files patents to suggest that they're going to redesign the PlayStation Move specifically for VR. So I took a look at these patents, and I guess high level, it looks like the PlayStation Move globe wands, whatever you want to call them, are getting changed into what looks like the nunchuck attachment on the Wii, but with more buttons and, you know an analog stick or two so clearly this is just to compete with the HTC Vive and any other VR streaming that has um, in-hand controllers with buttons and analog sticks or anything else I don't really know what PlayStation is thinking I remember earlier this year they were doubling down on VR and gonna announce over a hundred games to come out in VR in 2018 I don't know what the VR cells are, um, but I can't imagine they're that good because, once again, I don't know a single person who plays VR games. So, you know, maybe this is their big differentiator. Maybe they're afraid of, you know, Microsoft doing Game Pass or the fact that PC cells are climbing or that mobile's overtaken PC plus console cells. Maybe PlayStation thinks, you know, Doubling down on VR is the one unique thing it might have over its competitors. And so it thinks that's the future. We'll have to see. So the last bit of business news, um, just in relation relating to business strategy, is GDC released their State of the Ind Industry report. And uh, Game of Sutra put out an article showing kind of like, it was a high-level survey showing what game developers using as their kind of publishing marketing arm for their next game, okay? And very interesting enough, only 17% of publisher, 17% of game developers said they're going to use a publisher for their next game, and this publisher has advanced them 
money to create the game and the publisher will then take a cut of sales. And then 6% said that they're going to use a publisher that hasn't advanced them, but will still take a cut of sales. So that's under 25%. And that's pretty interesting seeing as how, you know, it wasn't but like 10 years ago that you would never even consider making a game without a publisher. You you had to make a vertical slice or a demo and a deck and go around and shop the publishers and beg and plead to them to fund your game. And then furthermore, you had to hit milestones and so on and so on. And the publisher could decide even not to promote you, even after they invested money into you and sink your game at launch. And now, you know, we're just showing that with the kind of democratization of game development tools that we're having a democratization of publishing, meaning that within the survey, 38% of people said flat out that they're just going to market and publish the game themselves. And then everyone that's left either has a dedicated PR specialist or is going to hire temporarily a PR firm or specialist to handle the marketing and they're not going to use a publisher. So um, pretty interesting. And I want to say something on this subject is if you're an indie game developer and you're releasing with a publisher that hasn't advanced you money for sales and in your contract that doesn't guarantee that the publisher is going to, you know, make you X amount of dollars and you're still giving them a cut of the sales please in that contract, get out of it. Don't sign these contracts with publishers. I haven't, this is anecdotally, but I haven't met an indie game developer who signed with the publisher who didn't pay for game development. And they felt that that publisher kept up their end of the bargain and actually brought them enough sales to warrant signing away uh, some percentage or some amount of sales once the game goes live. So please stop supporting that type of market. All right, so let's go through kind of like a startups, mergers, and acquisitions section. And we'll start it off with kind of the most surprising news. If Facebook wasn't enough, we have an, another person who wants to throw it. Well, two people who want to throw their hats in the ring, and that's Caffeine. And Caffeine this week uh, announced that it's received a total of $46 million in backing. And Caffeine is yet another kind of... Twitch streaming um, platform, and it was created by Ben Kron. He's an Apple TV product design lead, and uh, Sam Roberts, who's an Apple senior user experience designer. So, being ex exec, Apple execs, um, I guess you know, brings credibility. But the fact that Google and Amazon already have. Um, pretty much the entire chunk of the market. Facebook is now paying for esports leagues exclusivity rights and is trying to lure content creators from other platforms and from their own platforms to create on their gaming live stream. I just don't even see room for caffeine. So it's surprising to me that they were able to get 46 million in backing. All right, next we have uh, Niantic acquires Escher Reality. Now, Escher Reality is an AR developer, but I don't think they've released any games. I think their main uh, their main product is AR technology and solutions, and it seems Niantic's pretty much acquired them to increase and boost their own um, AR image processing, image recognition, any of that stuff. 
So, you know, I guess best thing that comes out of this is our Pokemon won't look like just 3D overlays <laughs> over our camera on our phones. But uh, there was one interesting piece to this announcement, and that's Niantic saying, it is our intention to make our cross-platform cross AR technology available more widely to developers later this year. That's really interesting because it seems that's the one kind of differentiating technology or feature that Niantic has besides the Pokemon IP, but that Niantic has going for it. So I wonder why they would make this available to people. Um, also, I wonder if we're going to see maybe an announcement where Niantic is partnering with Unreal or Unity or CryEngine slash Lumberyard and really kind of see where Niantic thinks it's going to make most of its money from this. Because being on the outside looking in, you would just think the obvious play for Niantic is to keep acquiring major IPs to do these um, AR games. So the fact that they want to release this to the rest of the public, it's pretty interesting. So we'll have to keep an eye out for what Niantic announces later this year and how their cross-platform um, technology is going to be available to everyone. So next, Microsoft acquires PlayFab. PlayFab is a back-end platform of tools for live ops and, you know, servers and so on and so on. And they're probably just going to integrate it into their Microsoft Azure cloud platform. So according to the article on GameIndustry.biz, PlayFab claims it has been used by 3,000 studios and can be found in more than 1,200 currently operating games and has served more than 700 million players. These numbers all seem way, way, way too high to be true, but, you know, maybe they are true. Um, and frankly, it's just Microsoft uh, acquiring more companies to boost its current technology. This barely gets counted as game news, but I'm going to count it anyways. Next, we have NetEase and Mattel launching a new game studio. They're going to call it Mattel 163, which, according to the article on GameIndustry.biz, is because the 163 refers to NetEase's original URL, which is www.163.com. So NetEase and Mattel will both own 50% of the new venture, and of course, not surprising, they're just going to create video games for Mattel IPs and as we all know, Mattel owns Barbie, Hot Wheel, Fisher-Price, um, and a number of other toy-related IPs. This is huge red flags all over. So I think anytime an IP holder tries to create its own internal game studio to create video games for their IPs, I don't think it's ever worked out. I mean, Disney's tried it numerous times in their history, and that's why now you see EA making Star Wars games and not Disney, because frankly, I don't think, yeah, I can't think of one example where this has lasted more than one or two game releases. Oh, wait, I'm sorry, LucasArts. So LucasArts was able to do this for many, many years and make many memorable games. However, I still think Mattel and NetEase will fail at this. So I really wonder why they're doing, why they're creating their own studio. It seems like the more logical play, you know, would be to find a studio that is really successful, has the talent, has everything in place. And the one thing the studio doesn't succeed at is marketing and acquiring users and really connecting with its 
IPs that it creates. So Mattel should have found one of those studios and just bought them out and then said, hey, you're going to still do what you love and what you set out to do. And now you're just going to do it for G.I. Joe or Barbie or Hot Wheels or so on and so on. So I don't know. I could be wrong. I'm always wrong, but I think I'm right about this one. So finally, in business startup news, we have Trail Mix. It has been created by two King veterans, and those are Carolyn Krinzer and Tristan Clark. Now, the more interesting thing is, is this was backed by Supercell for $4.2 million. So now the headline writes itself that Supercell and King, you know, knowledge base are coming together to make some epic, super casual, awesome mobile game company, blah, 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 blah. It sounds like a recipe for success, but looking at the mobile game industry, $4.2 million will get you nowhere. So unless Supercell is willing to bankroll cost per installs, which CPIs, um, they're going to get nowhere in the mobile game industry. Now, reading their press release, it sounded like they were more kind of focused on Monument Valley or that game company type games like Journey. And so maybe they're not going to enter free play. Maybe they're going to enter premium games. And in that case, good luck getting $4.2 million back in the premium game space because there's almost no money in that in mobile, to my knowledge. I'm sure someone will correct me later with how X, Y, and Z company make tens of millions of dollars in premium games on mobile. Um, so let's get down to people news. Kaz Hirai is stepping down as the Sony CEO. So I think he's been with Sony since, in game-related game news, he's been with Sony since the launch of the PS2 in 2000. And I think everyone remembers him. He's always at E3. Whenever Sony releases new hardware, he's there to present it. Um, when I think this article I got off Kotaku... And everyone kept posting this video where he was launching Ridge Racer, Ridge Racer on the original PSP and talking about how it brings back memories and talking about how he was never good at Ridge Racer, all the older versions on the PlayStation, but he still loved the new version. And I think he really connected with gamers in that one moment. And I guess he'll be missed at Sony. So next up... Uh, I'm going to butcher your last name. I'm sorry. Teddy Diefenbach leaves Square Enix Montreal. He was the creative director there. And uh, apparently he's leaving because they canceled his unannounced project that he was working on. Now, this guy is very famous for a very good indie game. He was a designer and coder for Hyper Light, Dif Hyper Light Drifter made by Heart Machine. And... You know, that game's amazing. If you look at the style, you look at the feel of that game, it really captured what kind of it takes to make a successful indie game. So it's no surprise that he got a creative director job at Square Enix Montreal. Really sad that this unannounced project was canceled and it probably was something really good for this guy to leave a position like that from a canceled project. It probably means he was there more for the project and the team rather than the money. So he's probably really passionate about it. And I guess we'll have to see what he creates next. So Square Enix Montreal, for those of you who don't know, is the 
studio that last created Laura Croft Go. And I believe they created the other Go franchises, like Hitman Go. I don't know, I could be wrong, but um, those are very innovative and fun little kind of, I don't know, puzzle, turn-based, RTS-esque. I don't know how to describe them. Go check them out. Go check out Laura Croft Go and Hitman Go. Very fun games on mobile. And uh, yeah, I guess we'll have to see what he creates next. So in gaming news, we have Red Dead Redemption 2. <gasps> Delayed again. Yeah, that's no surprise. But uh, they actually do have a hard ship date now. So they're saying, Rockstar is saying October 26th. And I hope and I be strongly believe the game will be worth it after all these delays and all these years of waiting. So everyone get ready to cross off your Halloween week coming up in 2018. And finally, uh, for news, we're going to end on a sad note. And Nexon America has laid off an undisclosed amount of employees. Original reports were around a fifth of the employees. Nexon has fired back and said it wasn't even close to a fifth of employees, and it was such a small amount that it's not going to affect operations. So good luck to everyone who got laid off. I've been there. Everyone in the game industry has been there, and hopefully you'll land on your feet and you'll find an amazing job next. And I wanted to end this week in games with kind of my opinion on the week or anything I want to talk about for this week in the game industry. And I want to talk about two games that are released this week. So first, Monster Hunter World was released, and I haven't accomplished any of my personal goals, such as chores or things I want to do this week, thanks to this game. And I'll just say... What makes this game so beautiful is it really takes a truly massive amount of game systems and perfectly blends them together into one coherent experience. And the theme and the story and everything support these game systems. And this is very rare to happen because sometimes you play like Destiny and you're supposed to be shooting in space, but all the game systems and outside forces kind of take away from that environment or that feel, and it kind of feels, it feels like a game. And Monster Hunter 100% feels like a game, but it feels like when you go collect 50 herbs, and then you bring them back, and you cultivate the herbs in your garden, and then you add bugs to your garden, and fertilizer, and now you're growing herbs, and you're crafting with all these herbs, and then you finally use all these herbs to make potions, and use the potions when you go hunt monsters. That type of game cycle and it's just a supportive game cycle. You could just buy potions, but the fact that you can do all of this just to support the main function of hunting monsters, it really feels like a well-crafted um, game system, game loop, and kind of connection between all these game systems. And I recommend checking it out if you're even a fan of swinging a sword or shooting a bow. And my next shout out is Dragon Ball Fighter Z. And I'll just say this is the 2D game I've been waiting my whole life for. And finally, Chaozu's sacrifice will finally kill Nappa. And I'm so happy that I can recreate that and really write what I see as the biggest wrong in all of Dragon Ball Z is Chaozu sacrificing himself and then Nappa surviving. So, you know, now I can write that wrong, rewrite history, and Dragon Ball Z makes more sense in my heart because of it. <laughs> 
And that's this week in games. Stay tuned for next week for more game industry news. And I'm Merritt McConnell, and I'll see you later.